bloody peasant! He's on the road, run him down! February 17, 2021. This is Rare Encounter, encounter number 32. And modulating all the overmodes, I'm Abel Kirby. And flying the hentai skies, I'm Cold Acid. <laughs> you sound better when you're not a robot. Beep boop, beep boop. <laughs> so, uh, I have some business with you. Uh, you know, uh -oh. if you could, you know, if it wasn't so much trouble, would you mind keeping your polar vortex on your side of your fence? No! <laughs> you will enjoy our polar vortex. I'm watching everyone. Actually, it's, it's pretty warm today. Yeah. It, you know, it's actually pretty warm today. It's negative three Celsius here. You export and, you know, all your with... air. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the, th here's the thing for us. Up here in Canada, it ain't cold until, until your beer freezes, eh? Oh. Fuck, I need to re-say that. I fucking tripped over my tongue. Oh, go ahead. In Canada, it ain't cold until your beer freezes over, eh? Hey, and here we go. Hey, there's, there's my <laughs> beer. Yozers. <laughs> Speaking of beer, I got my Budweiser. Hold on, I just gotta fold the cap in half, as is tradition, with the twist-off types, and I just got a regular old king of beers, Budweiser. Ah, uh, nah. Nah, nothing. Oh, what's that? Ooh, what's that? What? That is the return of the Queen Street 501 cider. What? 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 Jeez. Now, I went and looked for ciders. Yes, Carblanes. Cider. Cider. Yeah. Look for it in your Loblaws. <laughs> your Loblaws. The uh, liquor stores I went to? No, I... it's called it's called Queen Street 501. Queen Street. So, Queen. like I mentioned the last time I had this on the show, it's named after... Is named after not only the street, but the streetcar that goes along it in downtown Toronto. Indeed. Which is the 501 st Queen Street <laughs> streetcar. Yes, 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 yes. Looks like Carblanes. Car Carblanes, have you actually been on this streetcar? Are you, you aware of what it is? Streetcar, yes, true. <laughs> I've been on this streetcar from end to end. Oh, boy. That sounds like she has. Cool! Yeah, inspired by you, I went out looking for some cider, and uh, the liquor store I usually go to, really, they had one or two things that didn't look uh, very good, so I just, uh, they actually didn't look uh -oh. like the same kind of cider you were drinking, so I gave up. I'm going to have to go find a, a different supplier. Um, I, I thought I was going to bring a cider today, just Buzz, Budweiser. But, what? I did bring that sound. What? What? Do you know what that sound is? A duck? A duck? No, no. What? What? No, no, no. I clipped this. I clipped this sound uh, just for today. I put it on my soundboard. I liked it so much. Jeff Goldblum? No, no. You're getting closer, though. We can leave that as a as a joke. Maybe someone in the troll room can figure out uh, what that clip is from. What? Well, Carbling says Dvorak. No, no. That's not it. You're close, though. Adam? <clears throat> it's from... Do you want me to tell you? I can tell you. It's Darren yeah, O'Neill from Grumpy Old Ben's... What? <laughs> that's, that's Darren. That's Darren. What? That's a lot more high pitched than I'm used to. I'm it thinking. is. What? I just have an ear for these things. I was listening to his show. Um, I took the time code from it. I think it was exactly at 35. I think was it exactly 35 minutes in on their latest episode, and I just heard like uh, Ben Rose said something, and then you hear uh, Darren reacted to it. He just goes, "What?" 
Yes. <laughs> I thought it was great. No, now nice. that I listen to it again, it may need a little bit of reverb. I don't know. We'll see. So I put that on my board. I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> that is pretty good. Yeah, it's uh, it, maybe some reverb would work. I don't know. I did bring a bunch of I did bring a bunch of clips. Uh, I was editing some audio. Um, there was a place on archive.org where they had a bunch of um, recordings, like really old, early recordings, like from the 1930s and and uh, that area. Um, by a guy named Wade Hale, and what he did is he went around to, uh, like, I think it was mostly in Kentucky, but he went all over the place making recordings for the Library of Congress, and um, they have the digitized versions of these recordings on archive.org for streaming. Unfortunately, they don't offer download, but uh, I went and, and got one, so this is just a let me make sure I play the right one here. The original. Anything clip. that can be streamed can be downloaded. I know, but if there's one thing, if there's one thing fan sub scene has taught me, is that anything that can be streamed can be downloaded. It, it is a something that you and I understand, but I've seen this in a couple different places where they say, "Oh, well, you can stream the file, but if you want to download the audio data, you uh, you need a special relationship with us. You need an account or something." I've even seen radio stations where they were able to put quote-unquote archive versions of their shows streaming on their site, which means that you get a playlist to a, uh, you know, like a playlist file that your media player goes and streams the archive version from their server that has all of the original music inside it. And apparently that's kosher, even though you're distributing uh, copyrighted music over the internet, you know, it's saved in a, in a file format. It's not... According to the terms that they have with the, the songwriters, uh, unions, whatever they're called... Uh, you know, BMI and ASCAP and all that. It, and so there's some weird distinction that lawyers have made, I don't know why, between streaming and downloading. It's just another bizarre thing and a reason that I want to stay out of commercial audio. But anyway, um, I'm talking around the point here. Here was uh, this clip. This was uh, Kansas City Blues. And just listen to the quality of this audio. Or the lack of quality. And so it's you can you can hear it. Um, but Vinyl wasn't as good those days, I guess. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. I also went and watched. Um, I think it was the original Mickey Mouse Steamboat Willie cartoon, which was from earlier. Yeah. I think it was ten ten years earlier, twenty years earlier. Wasn't and, it like 1917 or something? Yeah, and so this one was from 30, 1937, I think. And you can go back and find talkie movies that have great sound compared to this. You could find other recordings that predate these recordings, you know, just professional recordings you would get, you know, mass distributed, and they sounded better than that. So I was, I don't know. I guess you had ups and downs back then, too. Um, I did do something with it. I wanted to try and clean it up a little bit, so I went through and uh, and edited it. So let me just, here's the original. You can hear this. There's some noise. You probably you probably can't hear it. There's a really low hum on there, and, and you know, they didn't do any No, I, I was picking it. that up. I was picking up that hum. Yeah, so I, I did a little bit of work trying to do some audio, I guess, restoration. This is what I came up with. I had a gun woman. That's a little... A little muted. Well, that's the original audio there. You know, it's you can only do so much. Um, I would like to get a, you know, one of these neural network systems to do some analysis on this uh, 
on these kinds of waveforms. Just the way that they upscale uh, video. You know, they can take an old grainy video file and then have a neural network try and reconstruct it and, and have a super resolution version of it. Um, you could do those same techniques with audio waveforms. They're one-dimensional waveforms instead of two-dimensional. So you'd think it should be easier. Um, so I think this is something I'm going to play with a little bit, maybe in MATLAB. We'll see what we can do. Yeah. Too bad CSB disappeared. He might be interested in helping with something like that. Uh, what with AI being his big interest these days. I'm sure he would love to be a backseat driver and just tell me what to do. Uh, so, yes. It's what <laughs> he does best. <laughs> the backseat telling people how to run their lives, how to run their shoes. Uh, but enough about that. And chapters already. <laughs> no, this show don't need no chapters. <laughs> oh, boy. So we had a couple other things. I, I got some other clips. We could go through some clips. Uh, the uh, On the topic of mink, what do you know about mink? Just uh, so we could set our baseline here. They're related to tube rats. Mm-hmm. And their fur is very popular. Mm-hmm. So I went looking for information. Although less so these days than it used to be. I went on, uh, well, I hear there's a scarcity now, so maybe the, the value is going up. There's a uh, guy named Joe Carter who I found on YouTube when I was looking for mink. He was the first guy. He's got videos with millions and millions of views where he talks about mink. And uh, here, here's a clip of him talking about mink. This is the introduction from his, uh, his video. My name is Joseph Carter, and I am the Mink Man. When I was a senior in high school, I started learning about the American mink. I was told that mink were horrible, vicious little animals who were impossible to tame. Challenge accepted. <laughs> and so this is a guy from Utah. Challenge accepted. He's a certified public accountant, I believe this is his day job, and his hobby is that he goes to mink farms, and he, he doesn't rescue the mink. He goes and... Buy, he buy, basically buys the mink from them when they're young, and then he trains them to hunt rats. And his business, his side hustle, is that he has, a, they'll go to your farm, it'll let all his mink loose, and they kill all the rats. Like, they'll go down the rat holes and everything. So here's a clip from one of their uh, mink hunts where they talk about, uh, you know, this is actually uh, field, field audio from when they're getting those rats out of the holes. The fact that we're using mostly males on this hunt requires that we use the tractor because male mink can't fit down the small holes that the females can. He's got one over here. Good job. Get another one, boy. Good boy, Brock. Brock's the mink. Oh, there's there's a bunch that are they're down in a hole he can't quite get to. We brought out little Abby. And since she was a female, she can easily fit down the rat holes, and we can clean out a few spots that we need a female for. Rats! Rats! It's over here. Good girl, Abby! <laughs> oh, boy. And so Abby is the female mink, if you don't know Brock. Good girl! Brock is, she's killing rats. She's going down the hole. So this is not safe for Nick the Rat. Uh... The hissing sound, Carplanes, the hissing was the rats. That's the sound the rats make when they're uh, when they hiss at you. The uh, I don't think I heard the mink hiss at all. The uh, well, I've never I, heard a rat hiss before. Well, you just did. <laughs> That's what they sound like here. Just, no, no, no I, I, one correction. Correction. When Nick's audio isn't doing all that good, that well, that wasn't really Nick. That was just his audio. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, there was one wrap-up. I think this one has a little kicker where he's, uh, they're talking about. So he's talking about all the rats that they killed that day. Today was a big day. As um, numbers, we actually beat our old record. Now, a lot of these were babies, so you could argue that that's not the same or that it is, however you want to look at it. But we got a lot either way. We got a total of 63 rats. So all these adults... And then a bucket of babies was the, I guess I clipped that one off by mistake, huh? I get the wrong one. But yeah, that was it. And so I, after, um, I can't remember what caused me to do this, but I ended up on YouTube going to rat trap and uh, mouse trap uh, channels just to try and see if they were shut down or not. I don't know if you remember, but there used to be channels dedicated to testing mouse traps, And, uh, they would routinely get reported for animal cruelty and things like that because they'd have... Oh, well, you know, you, you're killing animals on your site. Was, well, I'm setting up commercial mousetraps and novelty mousetraps and uh, historic, you know, old-timey mousetraps and gimmicks and stuff and, and testing them to see if they work or not. And so, yes, sometimes the mice die and sometimes they don't. But uh, the, Once uh, again, I think these PETA people need to be hunted. <laughs> if, they don't if they don't like all this so-called cruelty to animals, well, then... Let them take all the cruelty themselves. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's right. It, it was um, Grumpy Old Ben's had the mouse traps, I think, if I'm remembering. Oh, what the fuck? I yes, I think it was. I guess they were talking about um, the what is the Wi-Fi rat trap? Their Wi-Fi mouse trap. Yeah, there you go. Ah, it was fun stuff. Ah, well, what have you been yeah, up to? That's a stupid idea. Besides, besides Wi-Fiing sending buying all the things. Besides sending cold air uh, down to uh, ruin my day tomorrow, because it will start snowing about 3 a.m. here, and it's expected to be pretty nasty, uh, what have you been up to? Oh, I broke Proto, buddy. I'm uh done. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. I actually, actually had a digital detox weekend mm -hmm. that, took me, that took me out of out of my area into a part of the province where I'd never been before. Mm-hmm. Town called Renfrew. Renfrew. Yeah. And, and is this one of these towns where they're not going to let you uh, get a hotel? No, this was uh, this was one where I could. The one area that wouldn't was the uh, was the Hastings Prince Edward uh, uh, health district. Hmm. You uh, jumbled up right where there. I, I where I those. ended up, where I ended up is is Renfrew County, which is its own health district, and which didn't have their chief officer of health say, "Hey, if you're not if you're not from here or one of the other green zones, you're not allowed to eat indoors. You're not allowed to have a hotel room. Get the fuck out of our area." Yeah. Is I, I was I was ready if necessary. To sleep in the rogue. I have I have a heavy duty winter uh, sleeping bag. I've got warm clothes. I've got garbage bags that I can put on the on the bottom of the sleeping bag so it doesn't get damaged by all the salt on the on the carpeting in the rogue. Mm -hmm. So I, I was I was ready, but uh, no, they're they're actually sensible and nice in. Uh, in Renfrew, so that was very that was very nice. I I went up there. I drove over to Algonquin Provincial Park. 
I stopped by at the cottage on the way back to make sure that it hadn't burned down or anything. Mm -hmm. I also got first use of the outhouse for the year. <laughs> Do you get a little uh, prize? Maybe a sticker? Or just, oh, I know. No. You, uh, first name in the guest Just book. the feeling of satisfaction that I beat my <laughs> uncle to it. Because usually it's him who, it's usually him who's there first using it. Yay! <laughs> so, uh, here's the, the million dollar question. Well, I know you said you did digital detox, so the answer is probably no. But did you take any pictures? Just one. Oh. Of the, of the park boundary. Hmm. Is it show notes? Uh, and I haven't even I haven't even hooked up the camera to the computer to grab the photo yet. Oh. I should have taken more photos. There were all sorts of beautiful things and some really interesting things I did not expect to see. For example, highway signs warning of avalanches. Mm-hmm. Not something that you would expect in in a place like Ontario. I've seen these signs before when I went out to British Columbia for my brother's wedding, because British Columbia has lots of roads that pretty much go nearly vertical. Well, they, you know, they're the type that like have the like 180 degree turns all the way down the mountain, right? Yeah. What do they call those? Switchbacks. 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 Yeah. And there's a lot of areas where there are like loose rocks and uh, risk of avalanche in the mountainous parts of the province, which isn't just the Rocky Mountains, but also includes, like, most of, uh, most of, uh, Vancouver Island. Mm. So, yeah, that was very interesting, seeing, you know, seeing signs on some of the highways, like Highway 41, that is, like, rocks may come falling down and crash through your car at any time, so be careful. Mm. Also... And oh. this was cool. And seeing charging moose warning signs. And also and. <laughs> charging moose, huh? So what's that when their batteries charging get low? moose next 25 kilometers. <laughs> that is one I should have taken a photo of for sure. Yeah, that's a good one. Charging moose sounds good. I remember mm -hmm. uh, those fuckers. They can derail a train, you know. Mm, with a, I mean, the, with a, if they get, if they hit, if they hit a train or get hit by a train, well, they're still going to die, but they're probably going to wander off a little bit first before feeling over. Meanwhile, the train's going to be derailed from wherever it hit. I thought they had a uh, cow catcher sort of thing they would usually want to put on top of a uh, a train. Like put on the front of it to to catch animals that might be on the tracks. Those on, those only really worked for steam trains at the speeds they moved, mm. and even then, it wouldn't work for a moose. A moose is a lot taller than a cow. So what you need is like a big They're skewer. Taller than horses. You could put like a big shish kebab <laughs> skewer on it, like a giant. Yeah, it could be pretty long too, like a thirty foot big needle, <laughs> like a lance. <laughs> You know, just to pick them up, <laughs> right? And then when you're done, you can, uh, you know, rotisserie. Mm, rotisserie moose. Indeed. Well, I got a couple things. Uh, I didn't get to do anything this weekend uh, or the last weekend. Um, mainly, I was working on some other projects. I was songwriting, which is still, I just wanted to mention to you, maybe to everyone else, I'm still working on all that stuff. I made some noise about writing uh, writing music a while ago. It's still going on, still happening. Uh, I'm not ready to show anything yet, um, but there's there's movement behind the curtain. <laughs> some uh, s stuff I'm, I'm, uh, I'm actually starting to like. 
which is saying something because your the podcast uh, album. Yeah, my podcast album is what I'm talking about. So uh, there'll be news about that eventually. Let's see. Speaking of news, I checked Speaking out... Speaking about that... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Hold on. Let's... Like, I'm still behind on podcasting 2.0, but on the last episode that I listened to, which is like four episodes behind, mm-hmm. uh, Adam was actually talking about, like, how podcasts should be more than just shows. It could be things like just the lectures given in a class. It could be, it could be a music album, things like that. And, and that... That should really be considered part of the like the whole podcasting thing. Mm, yeah, yeah. He got that idea from me, by the way. He listened to my show. He did, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, of course he did. I said it first. <laughs> Adam owes you royalties. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's... Um, it's still not clear how that's going to work out. Um, I, I'm trying not to talk too much about it because I don't want to tip my hand too much. Um, but... It's fair. I'm exciting. Fair. I'm excited, and I'm I'm actually doubling down on the time I'm spending on that project uh, coming up in the next couple days, and then for the rest of the next month, which is going to be something. Actually, I have some personal news. The uh, apartment that wow. I'm in, the lease is uh, the lease is running up, and uh, it sounds like I'm I have a choice. I'm either going to buy this place or I'm going to move out. So I'm going to be moving uh, at the end of what's not March, but the end of April. So I don't know what that does for the show, but uh, it looks like I'll be moving on a weekend or something, maybe. So I don't know. It's just something to... Uh, weekend would be better. Put out. Then again, I could just buy this place, too, but I don't know if that's a good idea. So anyway. Yeah, we'll get see. it. If you're going to buy it, get it checked out first. Uh, they got people that do that, right? They yeah. go through a place, look for all the things that are good and bad about it. Well, I, I forgot what they're called. I had one look at this place before I bought it. Yeah. Well, fortunately, I've been living in this condo for uh, for a year now, so I'm not too worried. Like, I think I found everything that I was going to find wrong with it already. Yeah, building inspector. That's what. Yeah, the, building inspector. Thanks, Carblanes. Thanks, Carolyn. Carblanes. Oh yeah, car- condo fees. You own the place, but you still have to pay rent. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm keeping an open mind. It has the this is a scam. The sole benefit of I don't have to pick all my stuff up and move it somewhere else. That's the sole benefit uh, compared to uh, doing anything else with my time and uh, and money. So I don't know. It's a, that's true. It's appealing. So we'll we'll see. It if the if I can make the offer that I want to make and they accept it, you know, that's that. If if they want me to pay a top dollar, are for the this cops shit. coming for you? Oh, is that my? Uh, no, that's a fire truck. Sounded like sirens on your end. It is. Um, there's a fire truck rolling by outside. I had to mute my mic for a second. Oh, fun. Here. Yeah, they have um, the dispatch center is on the main road, and it's just up the main road from from where I am. And so when the uh, they get a nine one one, we're we're kind of centrally located in the county area too. So if you f- there's really only two ways they can go on the road, right? They can go. Uh, east or west, and if they go west, they go by my house. So about half the calls end up with a fire truck going by. So there's something else to think about. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Indeed. If you buy the place, get some better soundproofing. <laughs> I actually do have soundproofing on my wall, but I don't have any on the window, and that's where the sound goes right through. So. Well, you know what you need to get then? Soundproofing that goes over the windows. <laughs> yeah. I've got to be like in Santa Uda. 
when you, you you're all locked up inside the house and he paints over all the windows and covers it covers all the openings in his house you remember that scene <laughs> and then starts eating mysterious things that appear in his fridge <laughs> that may or may not be human body that doesn't parts. sound so good oh uh, did you ever read that say in the uda that was the song of Seiya? No, no, I didn't. It was I should. Gen Urobuchi, I think. I'm sure uh, I ha- I'm sure I even have it. Uh, it was a classic. Nitro Plus game, Nitro Plus game. Uh, I think it was Gen the Butcher wrote it if I remember correctly. It was the first thing I ever read. Uno Butcher, him. yeah. Yeah. The Uno Butcher. Well, in uh, potatopro.com, Potato Pro News, they had a uh, there's nothing really newsworthy on here, but they had a chart that I liked. I put it in my uh, show notes. I actually just dragged it into the top. Um, do you have my uh, my notes open? Yeah, I do, but I don't see it. Um, I'm refreshing. Oh, let me hit uh, the sync now button. Maybe that'll make it pop up. It should be right at the top of the document. You know, maybe? Um, it seems to have stopped refreshing, so I'm hitting the refresh again. Oh, well, I'm dropping it in the chat room because I have Thanks, a Thanks, internet. <laughs> it okay, is... that works. You see it? I'm opening it. It is... Maybe it's my internet just being shit. Let me tell you what you're looking at. Or is this, this is... like super huge or something? Well, I don't think it's that big. Oh, there we go. It's a map that shows... And it's a heat map, so it show, it's a map of the world. Um, and it shows all the continents and different territories are delineated with lines and all that good stuff. So you can you have some references. And it has a heat map uh, drawn on top of it of... World Geographical Potato Distribution. And though it says distribution, I believe it's the potato production. Uh, actually, why is the I'm not sure because I would expect... <clears throat> I would expect that if it's uh, production, Idaho would be a lot darker than North Dakota. Mm. And PEI should also be pretty dark. I, I think that's a typo in the... Uh, Let's see, where are the potatoes grown? No, this is a map of potatoes where they're grown. China uh, produces more potatoes. China, India, Russia, Ukraine all produce more potatoes than the U.S. The, the file well, name you know is, why, a, is You know why all those potatoes are being grown in, uh, in Central and East Europe, right? <laughs> uh, vodka! 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 I guess it's vodka if you're Russian and vodka if you're Poland. Polish. But yeah, th- this was surprising to me. Um... Especially because potatoes are a new world uh, crop. Yeah, and so they're they're that's our thing, dog. All of these potatoes that are being grown in Europe, they should be grown in America. <laughs> <laughs> but no, this this is uh, it's just, it was really shocking to me because I expected like you did that Idaho and maybe it's just Orida propaganda, but Oregon and Idaho would have big, just be covered with potatoes. There'd be everything there is a potato farm. And it turns out it's not. There's just a couple areas. Um, Chile looks like it has a, if, actually, no, that's not Chile. That's a, that's the one that's north of that. Yeah. Well, there's a bunch of it in South America. They're growing potatoes everywhere. India. And like I said, India and China are growing more potatoes than anywhere else. Actually, that's less India and more Bangladesh, I think. Or, hold on. It, it's No, the, that's just on the inside of the India-Bangladesh border. Yeah. So, Bangladesh grows them throughout by the look of things. I went to, just to get a little point of reference, because you, you obviously know what a New World uh, crop is. Um, for anyone who doesn't, it's anything that was native to North America wasn't 
available to the rest of the world um, by trade or otherwise uh, until uh, North America, until the Europeans started coming over to North America. And so there's a list of New World crops yeah, that like I think would be... squashes. Squashes are one. Tomatoes, potatoes, uh, maize. Yep. Corn, <laughs> as some people would say. Well, that's what maize is. The um, <clears throat> the original the original the original meaning of corn was just any grains. Mm -hmm. So you could you could call you could call wheat corn, and yeah. you'd be and you'd be correct. It's just that we all call maize corn in North America for some reason. Yeah. So prior to uh, Columbus saying yeah, the tobacco as well, that's. That's American. Oh, I'm in the wrong channel. That's, maybe that's why I'm not seeing anything. So you had a situation back before, you know, maybe the 1500s where the uh, French didn't have vanilla or chocolate to make any desserts with. You had Italy didn't have any tomatoes to make red sauces with. Ireland had no potatoes to miss when they didn't have them. Um, <clears throat> and the other one was peppers. So there was no dish in China or any part of Asia that had peppers in it at all because peppers are indigenous to the Americas, North and South America. It's very interesting. Well, I believe, I believe black pepper, like the spice is, uh, I'm talking about chili peppers. Also in, yeah. Chili peppers, uh, capiscum. Yes. Uh, they that, were, they're American. Yes. Peppers that have any spice to it, or they have, uh, Capsicum inside it, I think, is from the same root as their, what is it, the family? Capiscum? I can't, I don't know. I was, yeah. I was terrible at that. I don't know, little, little factoid. Bringing in the Potato Pro news. It's pretty amazing, all those potatoes. Yeah. Oh, let's see. Uh, I got some local news. Oh, I watched another episode of uh, Prisma Ilia 2A Hertz. Well, you know what I want to know. Whose tongue went in first? What do you want to know? <laughs> <laughs> what? No, um, beware the Fujoshi. Uh -huh. That's the big lesson with this episode. Spoiled. One of Ilya's friends is, well, she has those sort of tendencies. She enjoys seeing forbidden love, even when it's not there. Hmm. There's some kind of pervert, then, is what you're saying. Yes, yes, she is. <laughs> I'm just reading between the lines. Oh, so she's like, um, she's like imagining this whole BL thing between Shiro and I forget his name, but the the guy from the from the temple. Oh, Kotami, the the priest his guy. His friend who he he's like the student body president in the high school mm. section, and oh yeah. And he lives at the temple, I think. Yes. Um, you're right. I don't remember his name. He was a minor character in the visual novel, so I don't care who he was. He showed up for... Uh, <laughs> he showed up in the movie, the, the Heaven's Feel movie, for a very brief period, I think, in the first movie. <laughs> yeah. So, let me ask yeah, you. Well... Now that, you're, now that you're on board with all this Fate Stay Night crap, are you going to watch the Heaven's Feel uh, movies? I don't know. There's three of them right now. Right now, I'm just focusing on. Uh, I'm just focusing on Prisma Ilya. Hmm. 
I don't know. I, After that, who knows what I'll do. I, I'm a little, uh, if it isn't obvious, I'm a little sour on that because I think Prismalia is probably one of the worst ways to uh, to watch Fate. I think uh, the visual novel was good. I, I like the Heaven's Feel movies. Even like Fate Zero, I think, was uh, was better. I, I got I looked at Prismalia. Like I said, I watched one episode when it aired. I was like, Doug, I ain't watching this. Well, I'm, en- I'm enjoying it. I blame JCD uh, for this, of course. You, you would, you would, you would. Because what? I never would have, I never would have watched it at all if it wasn't for JCD. Well, uh, if we're doing anime, then I'll do anime. Uh, Higurashi's con- continuing to run, and that's the only thing I watched. I did pick a, a picture of it for the uh, the pre-show uh, toots. Uh, one was just background out from the from these clocks and. Uh, there was a clock that's five five minutes to uh, to seven p.m. or I guess it's seven a.m. in the picture, but you can't tell. It's a twelve hour clock. And uh, there's a couple funny uh, <laughs> couple funny screenshots. I'll put one of those in the show notes where they're uh, we've got Sadako and Rika are going to a prestigious high school together. So f- apropos of nothing, the death time loop stuff has stopped, and it's not clear why, but suddenly all these characters who are stuck as perpetual uh, elementary school and middle schoolers and, like, destined to die over and over and over again for 100 years, they are, uh, they've escaped somehow, and they're continuing their lives. And so all the characters keep aging up for, for the last couple episodes. They, you can't do this in a... Um, uh, you know, live action show the way that you can live do it. Live action anime. show, yeah. We're, no. we're be, we're, it always looks fake when they have to take an actor and make him look a little too young, then it looks normal, and they make him look too old and everything. So here they just draw the characters differently, and the voice actresses, the Seiyu here, are great. They uh, every time they they time skip a little bit, and all the characters are a little older. It uh, it shows up in their voice, and so they look different. They sound a little different. It's it's just great acting, and so I was I'm. Higurashi Gao is hitting all my buttons here. It's a very cinematic show. It uh, it's doing little things with direction that I don't expect out of anime, but I appreciate um, just in the way it's framing things. The little subtle, uh, like little subtle bits of parallax going on where they weren't required. For example, there's you know there's a shot where someone's inside a. Um, Standing inside, and so you have the different layers of the background are drawn together, where there's, uh, or drawn separately, so you can do the parallax shot, where you know the outside um, plane is moving at one speed, and then the inside planes, the uh, the nearer planes are moving at another speed, and they they're splitting things into parallax that they don't really need to, and it gives this, and, and they don't move them very much. It's a very subtle effect. It's hard to describe, but when you see it moving, it's a, uh, you know the the level of attention to uh, to detail they're putting in on some of these shots even for just little throwaway bits is great you know it makes me real excited for this studio passion passion however we decided to pronounce it um I think- i'm still kind of focused on on this idea that they've stopped going through the time loop somehow i suspect that oh it's gonna end bad <laughs> it's gonna go it this is Every time anyone in this series starts getting happy, they're about to get you know sucker punched and slammed to the ground and killed a hundred times in a hundred yeah, different ways. Yeah, I'm just waiting for you to tell me that the other shoes dropped. It, it's that's half the tension of the show, and so nothing really bad happens in this. Uh, and so what happens is these two two girls who grew up together now they're in a private high school. One of them is is becoming more and more social with other friends. They used to live in a small town together, and they kind of knew everyone. 
now she has new high society friends that she's hanging out with, and it's it's almost like a petty um, melodrama. But because it's Higarashi, you, you're like, oh god, this is not gonna end well. <laughs> Something's gonna happen, and uh, Sadako is starting to look <laughs> like. Uh, n- now, in the previous arc, Sadako had uh, before they were all of a sudden best friends for. I guess they forgot. She was the one who disemboweled Rika. So she had the uh, the ceremonial hoe and cut her open and pulled her, all her guts out on screen. So then the next the the next arc it starts. They've apparently forgotten what's happening and they're uh, trying to get study to get into high school together and they're just friends again. So hmm, there's something going on. So anyway, we're holding out to uh, to see how this plays out. I'm sure it'll be good either way. Higurashi has not disappointed me this year at all. It's been uh, a series of hits. It's been a hell of a ride, sure oh sounds like. Oh, my God. It's the only thing I've watched in a while where there were a couple moments, uh, with, like real spoiler stuff, where I actually stood up and said, what the fuck? You can't do that. You know, they really screw with your head in this show. It's great. I can't recommend it enough. All right. That's my Higurashi report. Well, I got something else to bring up as we, as we near... As we near like the hour mark. Oh yeah, actually we're nowhere near that yet, are we? No, I yeah, see. We're still early in. I see the thirty-eight minute mark, but I think we have a couple minutes of recording. Yeah. So imagine having a computer and having a cat, and when the cat goes near the computer, even without touching it or anything, the computer reboots. Hmm. I'm, I'm yes. going to go out on a limb and guess that someone didn't have to imagine this. And you would be correct. Somebody is experiencing an electromagnetic cat field. <laughs> the cat field. So what's what's the story from? What, do, what are we talking about here? Okay, so, so a friend of mine posted in Discord this question on super user that they found. Uh, why does my PC crash only when my cat is nearby? <laughs> and so it might not be, it might not actually be the cat so much as just like bad grounding or like it could be the case isn't properly grounded and or that because there's, because the air is so dry that static electricity from the cat is, is like causing arcs in arcing that uh, that causes a computer reboot for because of the grounding issue, right? Mm-hmm. So most of the answers are like suggesting grounding. But the thing the thing that like seems to have gotten uh, that got notice from my friend who posted this was like electromagnetic cat field. <laughs> is, is this um someone wrote a theory about the EM cat field? Or is that no, just the, no, the, the running explanation? Is that the cat has an electromagnetic field? It was just a, it was just something it was just something funny <laughs> that somebody posted as a comment, not as an answer, but as a comment on the question. Yeah. Well, my uh, let's see. I doubt that this is an electromagnetic cat field. I would suspect a power cable in need of replacement. How is it rooted? Under a mat, perhaps, which the cat sat on. That might cause a loss of power if the wires are damaged internally. Another person replied to that. Electromagnetic cat field. This is probably the greatest super user post in creation. XD. <laughs> so there's a uh... and and then the next one. 
try protecting your mouse. <laughs> so I went and uh, I I posted something in chat, which is this uh, anti-static spray. And my recommendation would be to buy a can of this and, uh, you know, uh, spray the cat spray with the, it. Spray down the hose that cat down. Hose that pussy down. <laughs> Come here, Sparky. <laughs> oh my, how lewd. What? There we go. Uh, we local news. <sighs> local news at Baltimore Sun. Um, you may remember from uh, last, maybe last fall, I was talking about an, a local effort to. Um, by the Baltimore Sun from, I believe it's the Tribune Publishing Group. And so the Baltimore Sun is owned by a company that just owns newspapers all around the country. And they own like New York Daily News and the Chicago newspaper and a bunch of, they're all owned by the same stupid place. And uh, they're sort of famous for Main being one of these. Mo mainstream media mogul douchebags. Yeah, basically that. And so there's been an effort where they want to make the control of the Baltimore Sun should be local. They want it owned by a local uh, person, at least. Um, the curtain's coming back a little bit, and it seems like that the uh, the organization they had was called Save Our Sun. Um, it sounds like that was not quite a grassroots campaign, but is really a marketing campaign by the guy who wanted to buy it, you know, to to show, hey, look, we have all this support. This is the, what the people want. It's not just my play to get money. Uh, oh, AstroTurf. Yeah, and so, yeah, it's kind of an AstroTurf thing is what it sounds like. But they uh, they made an offer, and they say the, uh, the majority share owner of... Um, Tribune Publishing is considering it, has not made a comment, but early this morning um, made an offer, and it's a $630 million uh, proposal. And the way that it's going to work is it's one person who's going to have an agreement where he says, I'm going to buy, get the majority share. Uh, I'm paying off all the people who own shares um, at some inflated price you know, to incentivize them to actually do it. Um, and then part of the deal is that they're going to take the... Um, control of it and give it to a quote-unquote nonprofit, and exactly how that's going to work but it's alden global capital is the is the company that seems behind the astroturf so mm. i don't know we'll see maybe there'll be a report next week that the baltimore sun is now independently i guess in it's hard for me to say independently well, with a straight face but independently owned one of the country one of canada's biggest newspapers is Technically owned by a nonprofit at the root of it, hmm. uh, Toronto, the Toronto Star, and its uh, its publishing holding company, Torstar, is is supposedly owned by a nonprofit organization, and that might explain a lot of why the paper is so left leaning. Hmm. So my thought is, if this happens to the Baltimore Sun. Expect it to make a hard left shift if it hadn't already. Mm -mm. I don't think that I'm expecting it to change uh, in terms of. So, just to give you an idea of where the oh, Baltimore it might not Sun's, change right away. The Baltimore but, Sun. Uh, I think you may be under a false impression, which is that the Baltimore Sun is anything but a liberal rag. Um, they do do reporting, but everything else that they publish is slanted. Um, in the way that all these other newspapers are. Uh, for example, um, today we had Radio Great, uh, Rush Limbaugh passed away. 
Um, I don't know if you yeah, saw Yeah, I heard. R.I.P. Rush. And so, because Baltimore Sun was on the mind, I actually read their, uh, their obit on him. And that was, uh, you know, they get the facts right, but you can just tell it's written by someone with an axe to grind. They didn't like him at all. And they like to really, when they talk about who Rush Limbaugh was, it's really through this distorted lens. It's not by, you know, it wasn't written by someone who liked him at all or ever listened to his show. It was written by someone who... Uh, saw him on the uh, the naughty list for the last 30 years. And it really shows through in their writing that that's their slant. So I'm not... So they're, all, so they're already more or less in the position that the Toronto Star here is, There's is a, what I'm hearing. We're talking about Baltimore. You know, Baltimore is an yes, extremely I know, but liberal the, place. <sighs> so it might be to the left of the Toronto Star already. Well, I don't know anything about the Toronto Star, so I can't comment. Um, I can say that they do cover local stories in an objective way, at least, uh, at least as far as I can tell. Um, the once you get a national well, story through them, because, you're like, I don't, eh. I don't trust the, I don't trust the Toronto Star to do that to be objective at all. Yeah. Oh, speaking of, uh, speaking of um, bullshit, I got some clips of a guy named. Um, Carl Bergstrom, who is a professor, and I forget the school he was from, but the, he had a series of lectures that they put up online on, on YouTube, um, and he was teaching a class, um, like a freshman kind of, I think it was called Introduction to Bullshit, and uh, I, I perused his, uh, his offerings, and there was a couple of clips on there I thought you might appreciate. Um, this is the introduction to his course. There is so much bullshit everywhere. We're drowning in it. Science, my area, is conducted by press release more than it is carried out in the journals. Higher education, if you don't know this by, by now, you guys are seniors, higher education rewards bullshit over analytic thought. We're here on the West Coast. Startup culture's sort of an elevation of bullshit to high art. Generation ago, advertisers fed us bullshit straight up, just plain bullshit. But now it's more subtle. Now they use irony as this sort of Trojan horse. They invite us to join them. They kind of wink and say, oh, well, you know, laugh along with us at all the bullshit. And then our guard goes down and then they slip second order bullshit in underneath. <laughs> These days, Americans spend nearly an hour a day on Facebook. Doing what? Mostly spreading bullshit. <laughs> And so that was that's how he started this uh, course. It sounded like he might be talking to high school students. I don't know. That anyway. sounded great. Yeah. I, I'm... <laughs> you want to hear some more? I already like this guy. You, uh, yeah, Carl Carl Bergstrom. Um, some of the stuff it, later on in his video, he made these in 2017, um, and and he's from the North Pacific Northwest. I think he's in Washington. So a lot of the stuff he has does have a, a left slant, but I think he has a pretty solid grasp on, on uh, reality. Um, here's one uh, that you might like where he, he uh, well, I, I won't spoil it. He, he, he takes a company uh, to town on it. It's showing it's going up, right? So what are we measuring here? This is total unique visitors. What do we expect to happen to total unique visitors? There's no way for it to go down. So of course it's going up. Is this explosive growth? And besides, this is kind of a famous form of graphical bullshit that Tim Cook tried to pull. He steps in at the CEO of Apple, and people stop buying, or at least iPhone sales flatten and then actually start to decline. And he steps up in 2014 in front of his shareholders, and he says, look, 
cumulative iPhone sales are exploding. Well, they, they're going up, they don't go down. That's, that's true of many cumulative things. Um, but, uh, but look at this graph. Here's another way to visualize the same data. Here's total sales, that's what he showed. Here's quarterly sales. Apple's in a slide after he took over. He's tried to hide it. <laughs> so I like this guy, uh, if you can't tell. I, uh, I like very, him too. Very entertaining. <laughs> Um, he sounds like the sort of person who would listen to No Agenda. I wonder if he's been hit in the mouth or not. <laughs> we should talk to him. Um, I wonder if he has an, an email address or something. You could see if he wants to come on the show. Yeah, like that'll happen. Uh, you never know, I guess. <laughs> well, yeah, it'll never happen because uh, because John and Adam never have anybody on the show with them. Yeah. Well, I meant our show. Or you meant our show, didn't you? <laughs> I did. Wow, I'm an idiot. Uh, Yay me! I'm an idiot! <laughs> oh, fuck. That's going to be time-coded, isn't it? Is now. All right. Uh, I got one more clip fuck. for... Uh... I shouldn't have opened my mouth. <laughs> I got one more clip on this, uh, of this guy. <laughs> the problem is, is more and more we're right. bullshitted with numbers, with facts, with figures, with algorithms, with big data, right? And so more and more we're seeing things like this. Adjusted for international exchange rate, our top-performing global fund beat the market in seven of the nine past years. Is it the same fund, each of those seven, nine, or did they have some fund that beat the market, for example? What does adjusted mean? Well, short of statistical significance after Bonferroni correction, clinically, the results underscore a clinically important effect size, relative odds of survival at five years, 1.2, that challenges the current therapeutic paradigm. What does it mean for something to be clinically important if it's not statistically significant? 34% of behaviorally challenged second graders admit to having sniffed magic markers at least once in the past year. <laughs> it's probably bullshit, even if it's true, because what fraction of non-challenged second graders sniffed magic markers? 53%? We don't know. I did. I guess you know that. <laughs> Uh, I think these fun. people. I think these people who put out this baffling bullshit in the first place are the ones who've been sniffing the magic markers. Well, I think they do. They do it on purpose. I mean, this is. I I do professionally. You got to you got to get you got to get stupidly high in order to like believe any of this shit that comes out of the boardrooms, anyways, right? Yeah. The like when Tim and he's Cook he's just calling him out on it like this is this is pure this is pure baffle him with bullshit sort of thing throwing a bunch of smart sounding words massage your numbers around like uh like it's in a rub and tug and there you go and everybody thinks hey this is the greatest thing ever despite the fact that you're completely pulling everything straight out of your asshole yeah jeez just like the rub and tug yeah, they had um, some some good material in there. He has a bunch of lectures up on YouTube. I think I'm going to clip a couple more for uh, for next week, if people like him anyway. It sounds Excellent. like you like him. So I, I'm totally up for that. Yeah, I'll get a couple more clips next. Yeah, the week. crowd is going wild in the in the troll room. <laughs> they like it. <laughs> yeah, when Steve Jobs made that present, or not Steve Jobs, when Tim Cook made that presentation, they yeah. knew exactly Tim what Apple. Tim Apple, <laughs> Tom Collins. <laughs> They knew exactly. Yeah, what they he knew were doing. exactly what he was doing. He was he was peddling bullshit for for the banks and investors. Oh boy! So we got. Uh, I just read the chat. I'm not going to repeat what's in there. Uh, so w you inspired me a little while ago. Um, 
with your Star Wars, uh, what was it called? Scene whatever? Scene something redone? Uh, Someone... scene, scene 38, I believe. Yeah. But the, the one where, the one where uh, Vader and uh, Obi-Wan have their final fight. Yeah, so, you know, people went out of their way to just recreate their favorite scene from Star Wars. And uh, so I went through some of the Star Wars fan films uh, that I could find on the internet. And I, I got a couple clips of some other people who recreated their favorite, you know, the most famous scenes from Star Wars. And uh, I thought maybe we could bring some to the show. What do you think? Go for it. All right, here we go. Here's, um, here's the first one. Wife and daughter. What? Yes, Papa. I have some most wonderful news. Tell us, great husband. Family, the oh. legend that is Luke Skywalker has returned. Returned. Return, return, return. <laughs> Here you go. Is CSB making his own Star Wars fan fiction? <laughs> <laughs> it could be. Could be. Oh, jeez. And of course, we have everyone's favorite scene um, of of Darth Vader, but he was on the Death Star. Why did I have to say I was going to the toilet? She's just a woman. You work with women all the time. <laughs> oh, boy. Good lord. Of course, Darth Vader. Uh, we got the... Um, yeah, these, these ones are not serious ones, like the one that I brought to the table. Oh, these are dead serious. Here's that famous scene uh, where they go to the Tachi station. Okay, I'm coming up on the Tachi station. Welcome to the Tachi station. Can I take an order? Uh, yeah, can I have two Tachi tacos and two Jabba quesadillos? Quesadilla? Sorry, I don't speak Mexican. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> yes, yes. That's near of fucking near It's a remake. That's exactly that's straight out of the special Stop special edition. Man. It's it's exactly how it happened. And steal it. I'm borrowing it. Just for tonight. Chewbacca's gonna reap your arms up. You tell Chewie I said Unbelievable <laughs> Oh boy. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. That was our uh Wow. I am really high. <laughs> Meanwhile, on the moon. I don't even know it's on my That's no here. moon. It's a space station. <laughs> That's no moon. Oh boy. Alright, those are oh all my, my Star Wars God. clips. I could get some more. That was I had some some more fun looking for those than I had doing anything else. I, I might get some of those next week. That was we'll insane, see. man. Maybe we could get some uh <laughs> some great clips. Oh, I have a picture for the uh the show notes. Um I make oh. I wanna make sure we get inside there for the mink. That's the Oh, that uh, one with the mink attacking the bird? Yeah. It's a picture of a mink on top of a bird. The bird is looks fucking terrified. The mink is eating this bird alive. The, yeah, the bird's looking like, Jesus Christ, get this fucker off of me! Ah! <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's got to be in there. Oh, I, and above it, a link that says cold read. Oh, uh, yeah, why don't we go? I forgot about that. Why don't we go to do that? Um, Let me start with one. Minks are some of the most vicious animals on the planet. When they escape from farms, this morbid financial planner trains them to hunt. Oh, yeah, this is the story of this guy. Uh, Joe, I have his name, Joe, Joe Carter. Joe Carter. So, minkery. I really don't know what you call it. 
You call it a hobby if you want to be friendly to the PETA people. If you don't want to be a hunter guy, you'd call it a... Or if you want to be a hunter no, guy, you, you call it a sport. Basically, you're domesticating mink and then taking them out to hunt and fish. I'm a financial planner for my day job, but I also get paid to hunt muskrats and brown rats with mink. I show up with my mink in my Lexus, and people are like, what's the deal with this guy? He's mink his Lexus. I think I'm the first person in the world to do this. <laughs> it all started in 2003 when I moved to Lehi, Utah, a little town with a lot of mink farms. Noted. Everybody told me mink are untamable, and they're the most vicious creatures alive. I've heard them compared to ferrets, but only people who don't know mink would say that. Ferrets have no jaw power, no drive. They've been domesticated to be pets. A baby mink will kill things that scare most ferrets. If you're a zoologist, a naturalist, a mink farmer, or a trapper, they... Oh, what do you mean, ah? Uh, try again. If you're a zoologist, a naturalist, a... Zoologist, isn't it? Zoologist. I believe it's a zoologist. Study zoology. It's a zoo. Well, then why do they call it a zoo? Because uh, I don't know. But I believe it's zoology. There. Consider yourself. Zoo. So zoologist. All right. We're not having this fight here. There's your. You can consider yourself admonished. <laughs> Are we going to continue this? Yeah, go ahead. If you're a zoologist, a naturalist, a mink farmer, god damn it, I can't even continue now. I just, I'm just expecting the buzz and just like <laughs> bursting out laughing right away. You've ruined it. Oh, boy. Son of a bitch! Oh, God. Zoologist. Oh. Zoologist. Zoologist. Oh, I guess UK is, is zoologist. That's interesting. Zoologist. It's zoologist in US English. Zoologist. There we go. Yes, well, up here we speak the Queen's English. Thank you very much. <laughs> and with your Queen Street, uh, what was it? What was your number? Yes. Red. With my Queen Street 501 cider. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> hey, peasant. Oh, my God. Hand me my bottle opener. <laughs> Bloody peasant. <laughs> He's on the road. Run him down. <laughs> Get the spear, put it on front of the car. <laughs> that's that's for the moose. <laughs> oh boy! There's another time code. Uh, I need that big button that I can press with my forehead because I can't do these time codes. There we go. Time code. Time code. Time Get a code. foot pedal. Get a foot pedal for it. Actually, I own like five <laughs> that I could use. Actually, there's one by my foot. I could. Literally, I could do that. There you go. And I just... <laughs> there you go, then. I just have it. Set that shit up. I have two under my feet right now. <laughs> I just didn't do it yet. Uh, oh, hmm. man. Uh, that's Maybe a good for idea. next week. That is... I thought it was funny at first. That's actually a genius idea, and I'm totally going to do this for next week. Because um, I have Excellent. a bunch of foot pedals. I have a MIDI control. I could do that shit. And the software I'm recording Sweet. in lets me take MIDI. Uh, it has its own scripting language, too. I could do this shit. I'm going to do it, man. It's going to be yeah! Awesome. What? Yeah. yeah. What? It is on. All right. What do you say we wrap this sucker up? 
Yeah, I think so. Before I giggle myself to death. I'm, uh, I'm out of beer too. That's the sign I need to close the show. Oh yeah, that's a, that's that's a bad sign. Right. Before before you tell us about the sports teams. Oh yeah, we are out of them. Got to give us our <laughs> podcast update. The people demand it. All right, the people want the podcast update. Well, oh geez, we're gonna open a new topic. Um, I was listening to uh, Booberry and Sir Seat Sitter talking on their uh, Behind the Schemes podcast. Schemes with the threes. The three schemes. Uh, Do you hear that at all? They had a discussion no, I, about... I, I, uh, honestly, I listened to I it mainly because Sir Seat Sitter was on. Uh, it's, uh, I, I pick and choose uh, bits and pieces of podcasts. I'm a dedicated non-completionist, so I don't always listen to all episodes. I don't listen to everything all the time. Um, but this week I, I decided I wanted to listen to more of that and it was actually pretty good. They had a lot of discussion about, especially right at the beginning when they were talking about roadie stuff, that was fascinating. Really talking about, uh, you have Boober, you're talking about the, what was it? It was tigers and lions and stuff on the stage and, uh, oh, I'm sorry. That, that was Sir Cedar talking about the, the animals and, you know, behind the scenes stuff, what goes on behind the, the production of these shows. It was great. Um, we had a hog story. Had their uh, episode. They did an episode with Sir Spencer earlier, but their latest was one fifty-eight. Delgadio, I think you told me last week they had problems with the audio, and uh, I, I didn't listen live. I tuned in a little bit uh, this week, and I said, "Yeah, I, I hear what you say, what you're talking about." With some issues. Yeah, and yet, and yet, things worked so perfectly last night when they were just playing around and streaming, and and this morning, in fact. Uh, uh, Fletcher was was putting the nature mic on and playing some tunes, and and Carolyn joined later in the morning. And I was listening to that like until they decided it was time to get lunch. Hmm. Lunch. Uh, we had a uh, grumpy old Ben's head episode one thirty five. The big or big sewer. Um, that's something. I think I'm ten minutes into that one. Uh, I haven't gotten through it yet. Maps with Matt. It's been 317 Big, not days. Not dark. Not, not dark. <laughs> the, the dark sewer. Uh, no topic for today. I did find out what the topic for last week was. It was his VD special, I believe. For uh, it could be Valentine's Day or venereal disease. Uh, it's hard to tell. Could be both <laughs> at the same time. That's. Uh, I mean, they can, if you're if you're making if you're making someone you don't know your Valentine. I mean. That's a great way of getting uh, venereal disease. Yeah. Um, so no topic for tonight from what I saw. So that's your podcast update at the end of uh, Rear Encounter. So until next time, I've been Abel Kirby. I've been Cold Acid. Adios. Don't you know everybody tell me she wasn't shattered?